thank you. You came back. Whoa, I'm impressed. <laughs> Father, I really call on you to come and fill us to overflowing, to bring peace, everything you've got for us today. Lord, skill me in how to do this and how to uh, bring a people to a place of new power, new authority, a new breaking of holds. Um, my eyes are on you, Lord. All our eyes are on you, in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> to me, my prophetic, the, the biggest part of my prophetic role is to see what God is doing and then to come and equip the church. I love the church. I have this total deep conviction that we are the answer to a broken world. Nothing can stop. And the church hurts. I've been hurt by church and so on. But it doesn't change that the church, ooh, the church, we roar over circumstances. And, and I just believe God has done that in me, given me a passion for the church so that as I uh, speak or whatever, I'm skilling the church. I'm not here to show you what I can do. I'm very confident in what I can do. I'm here to skill the church. I see what's coming, and then God gives me something to skill the church with so that you can do the stuff. You up for that? So this afternoon, we're going to be doing stuff again. Um, all of us. And um, I hope to bring you to that place this, uh, this morning, um, up to lunchtime, and we'll see what happens. It's been the, the title is Empowering uh, for Revival. I'm not going to teach you how to evangelize. It's not an evangelism course, this, because empowering for revival starts with us. And I feel God wants to stir his church and clean us up and make us shiny. You know, we are saved. We are already washed. We're in robes of righteousness. But stuff happens inside us that clogs us up. And God wants to come and, and do a bit of cleaning up with us and teaching us how to do it. Um, so that we can go into a waiting world, strong and confident, as a, as a cleaned up people without the enemy saying, yes, but you, you can't go and speak to that one, look at you. Or you are doing the same thing, or who do you think you are? Our answer is, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Be scared, enemy, be scared. And that's who we actually are. And it's not being um, arrogant. This is scriptural. This is who we are. Where we walk, the demons should flee. Here comes the church. Do you see? And it hasn't always been like that. But with these drops of revival, I can smell them in the air. Something is happening. And uh, God is on the move in this nation. He loves this nation. His favor is on this nation, and his favor is on the church. And he says, come on, church. Come on, church. It's a new day. And so I'm going to start just briefly talking a little bit about revival, and then I'll go on from there. J. John, the evangelist J. John, he has said how the UK church can prepare for real revival not a revival meeting, a banner outside, come to the revival meeting, and everybody flocks in, and you know, you have a bit of fun, and then you go out, and there's no revival out there, or nothing's changed, or whatever. It's not that kind of uh, revival. Authentic revival is when men and women have an extraordinary experience of God in Christ through the Holy Spirit that, that either reinvigorates an existing faith, or brings them to faith. That is revival. And I'm longing to see the church stirred. Aren't you longing to see the church stirred? Not only a few keenies, 
but the church, look at us. The power in this room is incredible. If we can see in the heavenly realms, the angels are rejoicing, packed full all around this hall, um, saying, look at this. This is God's people. This is, what, this is who Jesus died for. This is the church. They are celebrating, and they are around here in protection of us. It's, it's amazing. And uh, Father, will you open our eyes to see uh, not particularly angels, if you want to do that, that's fine, but the glory, the glory of God. And may I just talk, we're talking about angels. Um, I see angels, but I also see demons, do you see? When God does that, it's not, "Mm, there's angels, let's all flock there. There's angels in that corner, and all our eyes are on the angels. When God shows angels, or gold dust, or feathers, or whatever, it's to catch our attention to him. Do you see, we've got to be careful not to put our eyes on the manifestation. Let's go with the gold dusties. We all stand in the corner so the gold dust can, can fall on us. It is, Lord, why have you got the gold dust? What are you saying? Do you see? It's to get our attention is why these manifestations happen. And I love the manifestations. But then I've got to say, when I see angels, it's, Lord, what do you want? Why am I seeing them? What do you want? What must I do? What's going on? And uh, being so aware. And, and that is, we are a supernatural people, and that is available to us as and when. Um, and maybe in this next season, we will be much more spiritually aware because of these drops of revival. But just uh, please don't put your eyes on angels and talk to them and command them. And I just want him. I just want him. Thank you for the angels who are ministering spirits sent to help me and you. But I just want him. Yeah, I just want him. Holy Spirit. How can we prepare for revival? Through prayer. Tomorrow I'll speak a bit more about it in the service. But prayer is rising in this nation like never before. Like never, ever before. People are hungry. There's early morning uh, prayer meetings and late night prayer meetings. And people are getting up in the night to pray. And um, even yesterday was Friday. Thursday, a, a group of New Frontiers... Uh, London leaders got together in Westminster Chapel to pray for revival. It's going on all over. Something is happening. And so revival is on people's lips, but it's not this, well, let's run there. There's revival. It's something that God is doing in us. And for me, I'm a commissioning person, and I feel where God sends me is to say, well done. Well done, church. I'm here. Do you want some more? Do you want some more? And because he's spoken to me about revival, where I'm invited, that's what I bring. I feel I carry revival. I'm not looking for revival. I'm a revival bringer. And not that I'm going to suddenly do something and you're all revived, but it's, it's a waking revival up in us, who we are in him. It's about purity, and that's what we're going to going to be concentrating on more today is the purity because uh, the waiting world often mocks the church you agree it's like you like us who do you think you are what right have you got to tell us when you are doing the same things and so on and God is just coming to say come on church let's be a model to a world that is so um Getting into stuff um, that they shouldn't be getting into. And we are the ones who model a different kind of life. It's a sad truth that while we can't cause revival to happen, we can certainly cause it to stop. So in preparation, we need to get rid of anything that blocks revival. Let's seek to put aside all sin including prayerlessness, pride, and such wrong priorities as being preoccupied with church buildings, 
denominational structures and ecclesiastical paperwork. Isn't it? That doesn't mean they're not necessary. But it doesn't take up our full focus. It is, we need everything. Otherwise we wouldn't even be here, be able to meet like this. But this isn't the be all and end all. We are the church. The building is where we meet. So, so God gifts those people with such a wonderful admin gift who's able to get buildings and, and, uh, and they have prophetic gifting to see things and so on. And, and he skills him in how to do it. But then the prophetic also comes and says, there's people out there. It's for out there. Let's not camp in here. So often we get a building and it's nice and we camp in the building. And out there nothing changes. But revival is when something, we enjoy God in here and we get equipped and then out there. Wherever we go, in our work, wherever, we are the carriers of revival ourselves. Because he lives in us and he's revived all the time. Isn't that interesting? He never sleeps, so he's awake and revived all the time. It's we who need to follow a little bit. Persistence. Sadly, history is full of churches and individuals who, having decided that revival is vital, then go to sleep waiting for God to act. And last night, I, the, the word I brought, it, it almost ended with, Let's do the things of revival so that we are running. That's why I say I carry revival. I'm not full of revival by any means. I'm hungry. Oh, I'm so hungry. But I carry revival because I'm busy doing his work so that when the supernatural power comes, I'm swept up. I'm already running. I don't have to play catch up. Do you see? And so I feel here with you, it's, it, it's not catch up time. We're going to run. While we wait and pray expectantly, let's get on with the day-to-day task of preaching the gospel and living it out in our lives. God visits revival on churches that are standing up or on their knees, um, but that not those that are sitting down. I'll read that again. God visits revival on churches that are standing up or on their knees, but not on those sitting down. I, I don't know if it's a saying here in the UK, but in South Africa there's a saying, we're quite a stubborn people as South Africans. And, um, and it's, you know, uh, little Johnny, his mother comes, and Johnny's standing there. And mother says, Johnny, sit down. I won't. Johnny, sit down. I won't. In the end, Johnny, sit down. And he sits down, he says, I'm sitting down, but inside I'm standing up. (laughs) Isn't that marvelous? We mustn't be those kind of people. Oh, I want my way and my rights, and look what the church did. And we're Jesus' people. So what if we've been touched by church in some way that is negative? We're people. We all make mistakes. Let's get our, our passion for the church back. Because the church is the answer to the nation. Let me qualify that. Jesus is the answer. But the church carries Jesus into the nation. And what I'm going to do over this next while is teach you on spiritual warfare. You up for that? Because spiritual warfare is part to me of a revival tool. It is, and spiritual warfare is not all about demons. We'll get to that later. But spiritual warfare is how we live. And so often we use, we hear spiritual warfare and we think, oh boy, now there's going to be shouting and screaming and, um, you know, very big manifestations and buckets coming out and vomitings and But often, when I say to people, what is spiritual warfare? That's what they will say to me. But spiritual warfare is how we live. So that we do not get to the demons. Spiritual warfare is the door that we keep closed to the demonic. Because spiritual warfare is how we live to keep uh, the evil away. A definition from Wikipedia. 
You know, Wikipedia is, knows everything. But like Google. Spiritual warfare is the Christian version of the concept of taking a stand against evil forces. The foundations for this theology is having a belief in evil spirits which are able to intervene in human affairs. Sound about right? Google or Wikipedia got it right. How do we fight effectively? First of all, and what I'm going to talk to you about now is who we are in God. That is spiritual warfare. Knowing who we are in God is spiritual warfare. First of all, we need to know who we are in God. The position that we have in Christ is a strong position of authority and power. Who feels full of authority and power here this morning? Oh, I see those few hands. Who's, who's a follower of Jesus here this morning? Ooh. I'm going to be doing this all the time because, Father, I want to ask you to do something in our heads that we understand what, what the Bible says about us. So there's the disciples of Jesus. The hands are up. Who is full of authority and power? Did Jesus not say, go into all the world and I'm giving you authority and power over this and that? Did he not say that? Is he a man that he would lie? Then why aren't our hands up? And I'm not, I'm not why aren't our hands up? It's a, we've got to think, why, what happened that we cannot put our hands up to say, I have authority and power? I may not feel it, but it's not about feelings. It's what, what the book says. What does the book say? And the book says we are full of authority and power. Sometimes it's hard to think of ourselves with authority and power. This is because we are more preoccupied with our condition and not our position. Make sense? How am I? I'm not so good. I still get angry. I shout. I can't be full of power and authority. That's condition. Position is I shout. I still get angry, but I'm still seated in heavenly places with him. Do you see the difference? Now, that is spiritual warfare. In the midst of feeling bad about oneself, it's, hold on, I may feel like this, but I am clothed in robes of righteousness. Did you know that was spiritual warfare? At the back, did you know that was spiritual warfare? Yes? With spiritual warfare, often our biggest battle is not with the enemy, but with ourselves. Often the enemy is having fun and games in the park. He doesn't have to do a thing because we are our own worst enemies. Because he plants something in our heads, and my word... Do, do we take hold of it and say, that is what I am? And we agree with him because we think, well, I know my head, I know me, and I'm not the nicest person on earth. And that thought's come to mind, so that must be true, and therefore that's who I am. And yet that's not what the Bible says we are. We are sons and daughters of God, and this is who we are, not the things that our head is telling us. Father, I want to ask you, break over us. Patterns of thinking today that we're not even aware. We think it's our right to think like this because we're bad. And we sing all these wonderful songs to Jesus, but we still walk out at times feeling bad. Am I, are you on the same page as me? Yeah? And it's like, no. We sing because this is who he's made us to be. We sing because we're saved. His blood is all over us, all over. We are washed in his blood. What, what can get through that? Nothing, nothing, nothing. 
If we keep thinking we're so bad, we attract the bad and we open doors to the bad. Because what's in the heart? As, as a man thinks, so, so is he? So when I'm thinking I'm bad, I will walk like this. But if it's, well, God is changing me. I'm not doing, I'm not happy with where I'm at, but I'm on the move. Do you see the difference? Spiritual warfare. Ephesians 2 verses 1 to 10, it says, we are dead in transgressions and sins. We were dead. But he has made us alive with Christ. And we are now seated with him in heavenly realms. It doesn't say maybe or if you get it right. Or if you have a good week or how you feel, it says we are. And I like the we are of the Bible. This is who you are. So I look at the Bible and I read this and I think, okay, I claim this. You know, the whole name it, claim it and frame it. Never mind the jewels and the, you know, and the money and the cars and whatever. I name, claim and frame this. That's the, the correct theology of name, name it, fra- claim it and frame it. This is mine. What is written in here is mine. It's my inheritance. And that is spiritual warfare. Ephesians 2.10, which says, Dead in transgressions, but are made, made alive in Christ. We were dead in our transgressions and sins. That's where we came from. That's how we lived and where we lived. Desperate place of darkness and hope, hopelessness. But we were raised, made alive with Christ. This is what happened when we believed. This is our recreation, our new birth, our adoption into sonship and the family of God. And, you know, when I meet couples and they've had babies, you look and you think, that baby looks just like the father, the mother, and it changes. First it's the father, and then the mother, or it's the granny and the granddad. But the genes come through families. You know we are adopted into God's heavenly family. And we now carry the likeness of him wherever we go. Our genes, G-E-N-E-S, not the denims, you know. Our genes are pretty good. Our spiritual genes are pretty good. Yes? Amen? Amen? That's spiritual warfare. Your amen is spiritual warfare. You know, when we declare, we must learn to declare more. Uh, We are children of God, and this is who we are. Declare, it, it gets life. Even if you don't feel it, declare what the Bible says, and the demons will run. We were raised, made alive with Christ. This is what happened when we believed. This is our recreation. We were seated with him in the heavenly realms. We were dead. We were raised. And we were seated. We were dead. We were raised. And when you got born again, you were seated. You were seated. It's not up and down. I'm on the seat and I'm off. We were seated. It's a finished job. Now that is incredible. That must blow the mind. That must want us to run out and tell people, do you know who I found? I found somebody who just loves me to bits as I am. And then not only does he love me, he just came to live inside me. And he's changing me. And it's amazing. That must bring the awe of God onto us. And, and the seated is all past tense. It's done, sorted, sorted. I, I, I was part of the, the Bermondsey staff in London at the foot of Tower Bridge, and we were sorted, mate. <laughs> and, um, and so it's sorted. It's done, finished. It has already been done, and this is where we are now seated. So you may think that you're sitting here in this hall in Hastings, but in spiritual terms, we are seated in heavenly places. Already, already. 
Amazing. I remember uh, praying with a woman um, from one of the ex-communist countries. And she was in her most probably mid-30s and had just come through some hectic stuff of being in a communist school and so on. And we were in a big Father's Heart conference, and she'd put up her hand for prayer. And I had to pray with her. You know, in the communist school, they put buttons on them. They went through stages. And she loved Jesus, and uh, she was a teenager then. And they put badges on them, um, and then you have a bit more teaching and the next badge, and a bit more teaching and the next badge. And I had to, I had to, it's like the badges had gone into her skin. They weren't there. Like I said last night, it's a prophetic thing, but it's as if it had grown into her skin, and she didn't know how to get rid of it. And she and her husband are planting a church in somewhere in the, uh, in, in the Baltic regions, and, and there was always a stumbling block because she battled with a mindset. And I had to break the hold of badge and pull. And, you know, I pulled. And she would, whoa, and she cried because of the pain of what the badge had done inside her. Um, and I had to remove badge after badge. And then just before they were going to put the final badge on her, communism broke. And I'm just so grateful to God. It was that you now are sealed in the party. And she'd been frightened of this, and she'd called on God. And, um, and it was never put on. So we, we brought healing to that. But seated in heavenly places, she couldn't even imagine it, because places where she had been had been so terrible, so awful. And God... You know, God is wonderful, and he's full of fun, and he's, yeah, he's just marvelous, and he just gave me a picture of her on a swing, so I said to her, imagine you on a swing, and you're going higher and higher, now kick, kick your feet on the swing, and you could see as she was doing this, kicking her feet, and I said, now, imagine you in heavenly places on the swing with the Father, you know, God is there, right there with you. Swing your legs. Well, she laughed, she cried. She swung her legs. I just watched thinking, I wonder what's going on here. But God got hold of her, and it's like the freedom of swinging her legs on a swing in heavenly places did something with her. When we went back into worship, Quite a tall woman. She stood on her chair, tall, and sang through the whole half an hour worship, tall on her chair. She was free. And you know, this, this is the life that we bring to people. This is our inheritance. We're seated in heavenly places. And Father, I want to ask that we, you'll put us all on a swing today so we can kick our legs in freedom. This is who we are. We are children of God in a park having fun and letting the Lord sort out all the stuff, the stuff that surrounds us. There's nothing more important to understand when it comes to spiritual warfare than who we are in Christ. There's nothing more important than who we are in Christ in spiritual warfare. Our citizenship is now in heaven, and we are foreigners here. Amazing. You know, so often there's talk about we don't want foreigners to come in any nation or whatever. Uh, but quite honestly, we are all foreigners here. We all have, if you've got a UK passport, you've also got another one. So I've got a UK passport and a South African one and the other one. And the other one is the most important one because it, it gets me in anywhere where God has opened the way for me to be. We are citizens of heaven. How amazing. How amazing is that? That's spiritual warfare. Now I'm going to ask you to do something. You may think it's silly, but it's very real. I want you to hold your passport up. 
Father, thank you that you've equipped us with eternal life. This passport is eternal life. We've done nothing, nothing, nothing to even deserve it or whatever. It came from you and it will carry us through for eternity. That's amazing and we are grateful. We are so grateful. We say to the demonic, see our passports. Don't mess with us. We are the church in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. I want you to feel as I'm speaking, feel the atmosphere changing and hope begin to rise. Feel the grrr in your spirit because this is who we are. Being seated in heavenly places, I must check the time. Being seated in heavenly realms has incredible blessing for us. Ephesians 1 verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord and, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. So who are the rich people in this world? It's not about money. It's really not about money, and it's not about education. It's not about class. It's not anything like that. It's about who we are in God. We are so rich. And so I worked with the poor in, in townships for years and years. And what I put into them was, you know, you may, may be poor because of uh, what the government has done. And you may be poor, that you've got no finance, you live in a shack. But you know how rich you are. You've got a dad who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and he's never had to sell one of them to, make, to give money. We just say, Lord, and he says, here am I, because he just thinks we're great. He loves us. He loves us and loves us. And that makes us so rich, so very rich. And by me saying that is spiritual warfare. If you're battling with finance today, and you think, I'm so poor. Just say to yourself, I may be poor with finance and maybe my home isn't quite what it should be or whatever, but actually I'm rich because I've got a dad I can go to and he gives me peace. That doesn't mean he always changes circumstances, but he gives us peace right there in the circumstances. Some of the blessings we receive by being seated in heavenly places we have a relationship with the Father and have eternal security. He will never let us slip through his fingers. Never, ever, ever, ever. Um, Natalie was telling us at Ashburnham a bit of her history. And she got saved when she was 15. And then she thought she'd do her own thing. But God wouldn't leave her alone. And she got quite cross with him. He wouldn't leave her alone. He hounded her. And no matter where she went, she tried to get away from him, but she was carrying him in her. How do you get away from him? Isn't that secure? And sometimes we think, if I'm going to do that, oh, does God, did I do the, that sin that blocks me from the Holy Spirit? Once you're born again, you could never do that sin. You could never do it. He's with us forever and ever and ever and ever. We're rich. That's amazing. That's spiritual warfare. Our sins are forgiven and the, power, and the power to overcome sin is given to us. We are not victims but victors. Oh, Father, will you break a victim mentality over us? Father, please. Because we are rich and we are your children and yet we act like... Something's been done against me, and I've got to walk like this. I have a history of things done against me. That just brought out the raw in me. Look what Satan does in the world. Look what's being uncovered. Look what's happening. Come on, church. It's like, look at that. Anybody who's been messed around in your head or whatever... <laughs> 
It's, no, hold on. Turn it into right. Lord, here I am. I'm a weapon in your hand. Give me that rescue job. Do you see the difference? It's not, well, I can't do anything because look what's happened. And we've got to go through a process of healing. It's not rah, rah, here we go. But it is, I'm, 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 a, I'm victorious. Even though you don't feel victorious, we're victorious. We're victorious. We're victorious. We're victorious. And it become, that becomes my mantra more than, oh. And for us from South Africa, we have a poverty spirit. You know, nations have different strongholds. That kind of, you can see it in the mindset. And ours is a, a poverty mentality. And so we have to work hard at, no, I will not think like that. I will, my dad is rich. Why would I? I must have the least of the least and the worst. And that doesn't mean one suddenly gets rich. But it is, I don't want to be dumped with a poverty mentality. I think in this nation it's cynicism. And, uh, and I've been told by church people, yeah, but that's just how we are. And I think, oh, no. That is speaking a stronghold in the mind. Now, this is just how we are. This is, this is England. Or this is the UK. This is how we are. And you think, no, we're the church. That's who we are. It's not, we're not cynical. We are the ones who have to have our brains washed from cynicism or poverty mentality so that we can bring change wherever we go. You're up for that? Am I right in the cynicism? Well, I've been told this is, we are very cynical people. You've got to prove. You've got to prove things. Otherwise, we're very cynical. And you think, no, but Jesus proved himself already. We're the church. We're not a cynical people. And Father, I want to ask you, break that off us this morning. Break it off us so that we can be um, rejoice and be free of always eyeing to see who's going to do what and will it work and so on. And we will come to you like children, not silly, because we've got a brain and we can suss things out. But to be more um, open to you, Lord, in this, and that you don't even have to prove yourself to us. If, you know, if I see the holes in his hands, then I will believe he raised from the dead. We don't want to be doubting Thomases. We're born again. We are being seated in heavenly places. We are filled with the Holy Spirit and given spiritual gifts which we, build, which we use to build each other up. The thing on spiritual gifts is another thing that I find. I, if I say to people, it's like uh, power and authority and a few people put their hands up. When I talk about spiritual gifts and I say, who are the gifted ones in this place? Okay, who are the gifted ones in this place? You're learning, eh? <laughs> But every hand should go up because God gives gifts to everyone, to every single person. But it's like, oh, can I do that? Because it's as if I may be showing off if I say I have spiritual gifts. Actually, it is um, unbelief. It, is, it builds something in us that is wrong. It's not biblical to not be able to, without arrogance, say, these are my gifts. This is what I do. Because gifting, it says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. I want more and more and more so I can serve you better. Spiritual gifts are not mine. They're his to serve the body. So I want as much as what I can get to serve the body and the world. So eagerly desire and be aware that we can actually say, yeah, I've got the gift of this or that or whatever. And then we think, but what is my next best friend next to me thinks, you, you think you're prophetic. Well, if I think I'm prophetic and I've been praying to God for it and I say, Father, I'm just going to move in the prophetic because I, I would really like to bless people in the prophetic. And I put my hand up, I'm prophetic. And my friend thinks, <laughs> you. Well, that's up to them what they think. That's between them and God.
Be real about what you want and who you are. And so for me, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite a... Uh, we don't do celebrity well. We don't... Or, or putting people on pedestals well. People are just people. And, um, and so if I see somebody doing um, some wonderful things with gifting, I don't say, oh, isn't he or she wonderful? Look at them. That is so brilliant. I could never do that. I look and I say, hmm, you have no favorites, God. I like that. I want it. You know, uh, um, Gollum with a ring, Lord of the Rings. I like Lord of the Rings. And he, eh? yes, is mine. And Gollum, he's after the ring. And he says, what's in your pocket, sis? He's wants it. I wants it. I say about gifting, Lord, what's in the Holy Spirit? I wants it. And he just gives. When I look again... I'm moving in the very things because I will only really get that desire for what's in me already. So we've got to work out what Christ has put in us. He's loaded us with gifting, so we work it out. And then he gives more, and then he adds two. But, but we've actually got to eagerly desire. It's not just going to, here we sit. And it flops into my head and my shoulders. It is, I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to do a bit of practice. Like last night. As I walked around and asked various people, did you hear from God? The awe on people's faces. I heard him. And my word was right. And my joy last night was walking around and seeing people who'd maybe never prayed for someone before or in public or heard God suddenly hearing God. So I could go home and say, thank you, Lord. The church is on the move. We can all do this. It's our inheritance. The coffee's coming. We have protection from demonic attacks and threats. And later on in, in the morning, I will be speaking about demonic attacks. But we have protection from demonic attacks. 2 Th- Thessalonians 3.3 3. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. And 1 John 5, 8, 18, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one, the one who was born of God, Jesus, keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. And you know, what we must realize is that the evil one has no power to make us do anything. We give him the power. And that's what we must be aware of. We open doors to the evil one to mess with us. So he suggests something, and we agree. I agree with that. And he says, I've got them. And so we've got to be wise, and we've got to know the Bible even to see, now hold on. This This is not of God. I'm not going to agree. The Bible says we are not unaware of the wiles of the enemy. And so often we are very unaware of the wiles of the enemy. And people do things to us, and we hate them, and we blame them. Look what they did. Or even look what the church did, and look what the pastors did, and look what this one did, and look what that one did. The Bible says our, our warfare is, is not against flesh and blood, but against the enemy. So we've got to lift our eyes and say, Father, heal me in here so I'm not so angry. So that the enemy there is not going to get hold of me and, and forgive. We've got to walk in forgiveness of people who have harmed us. That doesn't mean that they are, um, we are saying, you didn't do it. It means, I don't want to get embroiled in this. Lord, set them free and look after them. I want to be free. I want to move on with you. I don't want to carry this awful. I've had unforgiveness at times. It's awful. It drives you silly. You can't sleep at night. It eats your brains. And it's not worth it. I think we are up. 24. Now I've still got some minutes. (laughs) Seated in heavenly realms gives us love and joy and peace. You know, we live in a joyless society. And yet the church, the joy of the Lord is our strength. We should be full of joy. Jesus filled with joy above everyone else. 
rejoiced that God had shown these things to the unschooled and children, as he has said, when, the, when they saw the demons fall like, when you saw the demons fall like lightning, um, full of joy. And we are now made in his image. We have an inheritance of joy. But it's like we're nitpicking on everything else instead of, and it's not a joy of ha, 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 ha. It's joy is rest in here. It's a knowledge deep in one's being. I've been messed around, but I know who I am. That is joy. It's a bubble in here. You can mess with me. You can take everything away. But inside, I'm rooted. I'm rooted in God. And that gives a joy and a power that no one can take away. It's not the humor. It, joy isn't, well, I haven't laughed for a while. If you haven't laughed for a while, ask God to tell you a joke, to come and tickle your insides, to tickle you or what do you see? That is not what joy is. Joy is knowing who I am. That's joy. That's spiritual warfare. Joy, peace. Peace is our right. So I will sit with God when my peace has been ruffled, and it gets ruffled often. I will sit with God, even if it's five minutes, ten minutes, say, Lord, I want it back. I cannot move on. I must have my peace back. I must have my peace. And you know what? He comes. He comes like a flood, and he gives the peace back. And I think, oh. it's like he undoes my brain or something. And he's so available, but sometimes we don't know we can do this. And therefore, we don't do it. We walk with this churning. But he is our peace. He also, we also have the knowledge of the grace of God. I mess up all the time. Do you? And you know what? I say, Lord, he says, oh, there's my child. He doesn't tell me how I've messed. He comes with grace. And he just hugs me. And he hugs all the rot right out of me. Do you see? Grace. He is full of grace, full of grace. Aslan the lion, is he a tame lion? Oh, he's not tame, he's a lion, but he is good. And sometimes we look at God as the, he's a lion, he's going to claw me. Um, but he's not, he is good. And the claws are out against the enemy, you leave my people alone. But he's good, and he loves us, despite our sin. He loves us. He's covered it, and he's sorting us out. I remember some years ago, I was getting angry very quick at various things. And I said to God, oh, you've got to stop the anger. I don't want to be so angry. I don't want to be so angry. And for a week, I kind of did work, but my head was on my anger. And then one day, I sat with God, and he said to me, You've wasted a whole week. Wasted it? I was doing this, and I was praying for this one, and that one, and that one. No, but you wasted it. I heard you when you said, I must deal with the anger. I will. Maybe three weeks' time. Or a month's time. Today, I like you like you are. I like you. If I didn't like it, I would deal with it. But today, like yourself as you are, because I'm going to deal with this stuff. You've told me, I know. Like yourself and get on with the job. That makes sense. We spend so much time, ooh, Father, change me. And he say it once and he hears and he knows. And then say, well, until you've changed me, and I will work at it myself too, until you've changed me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk for you. I'm going to advance the kingdom. Otherwise, we'd be trapped in our, I'm not good enough. I can't do this until I've been changed in that. Just call on God. Father, because he puts his finger on things. And he says, this isn't nice. And he says, I know. Help, Lord. And then do what your part. Pray into it. But leave him to do his part. And always like yourself. Um, I was at a church, and they asked me to meet with a worship team. 
and, um, and we sang. They sang songs, and it was wonderfully spiritual. Then the leader of the whole team, uh, a woman, um, she asked, I was praying with various of them, and she asked if, I'd, if we'd pray with her. And so we prayed, and it was all very blessing. And then I saw a mirror, and I saw her, I got a picture of her with her hand over her face, not looking in the mirror. And I said to her, do you like yourself? And she said, no, 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 I don't like myself. And the tears and the bald hands, no. And so I, I broke the mindset. It wasn't demons. It was a, somebody had spoken things over her about being ugly and so on. And what she does is never good. And she was the worship leader. And, le- and it's okay. She was leading, she was winning through, leading in worship. And God knew there was a brokenness that needed to be fixed. He is so kind. He doesn't say, well, you don't like yourself, you can't lead worship. It's wonderful. We carry on with the job. She was serving God, and God came to serve her. And so I said um, to one of the other women who was there, have you got, anybody got a mirror? And out came a mirror. And you know, it took about a half an hour of us praying, Father, come. Father, will you empower her? Because she couldn't. She hadn't looked in, a, in the mirror properly for years because she couldn't look into her own eyes because she was so ugly and she hated herself so much. And uh, once we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and then slowly... She could move her head. And she looked in the mirror. And she wept. And I said, you're rather beautiful, eh?" And she said, I am. And she was beautiful. I'm beautiful. I'm beautiful. And I said, tell the people around you, the other men and women. She said, look, I'm beautiful. And they clapped. And the tears. Well, the worship went up to, you can imagine, The joy. And you see, that's the power that we have to actually set people free. Coffee time.